You're listening to episode 389 of the UAV Digest. I'm Max Flight. And I'm David Vanderhoof. Hey, Max, how are you? Happy December. We're halfway through December and coming up on 2022. Yep, it's coming up fast, so <laughs> better be ready for it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we said that last year about 2021. We did. So we got lots of stories this week. We've got a perching drone, drones that connect communities, considerations for photography drones, COVID vaccination deliveries, and my co-host has made this, so there's more too many alliterations. <laughs> Secret combat drones breaking up street racing. I thought that was a cool story. Air Maps acquisition of drone up and no tams and drones. We talked about that one a little bit on um, Airplane Geeks, but I think it's even more relevant to this show. But I think we should get started. What do you think? David, let's get started. Well, our first story is from Drone DJ. I, I know this is kind of redundant over the years that we've talked about perching drones, but I kind of like the fact that you could actually see the claws on this drone. And this is, um, watch this Falcon-esque drone perch and carry objects with its bird-like claws. Stanford has got a drone with robotic talons. Yeah, engineers have created this really fascinating uh, little device. Th this is sort of the... The, the legs and claws of a uh, of a bird that can be attached to the bottom of a drone and operated in a way that allows the drone to perch. It's not quite at the creepy level, but it really looks awfully bird-like. It is kind of cool. Well, the other part about it is it's got a lovely name. It's called Snag. Yeah. Which stands for Stereotyped Nature-Inspired Aerial Grasper. Now, they worked really hard to get it to be the word snag, but we'll give them credit for that. It has two independently moving legs inspired by a peregrine falcon. Now, if you ever watch a peregrine falcon, um, those things are really, really quick moving and sharp. Well, I don't think these are sharp, but they do have very much the same motion. Yeah, they absolutely do. Both legs uh, work independently, and as snag gets close to its uh, perching location, when it detects impact with the perch, what it does is it operates really, really quickly, like no more than 20 milliseconds, to activate and grasp the, the perch, the object that it's perching to. But then it's not done yet because they watched real birds and how they fly up to perch. Because if you if you fly up to an object like a branch, grab onto it, you've got forward momentum. So this thing actually has a balancing algorithm which tilts the drone forward uh, so that it doesn't fall over, just like real birds do. And there is a video that will be attached um, on in our show notes, and it is really impressive. And I like the fact that it, it's not a unique design that the whole object is is all one thing but these are really um just working on the legs and the perching mechanism to the point where you could add it to any quadcopter or multi-rotor so that's an interesting aspect that we're just going to focus on the the claws and go from there but it is kind of creepy sort of sci-fi-ish you know 
when technology mirrors nature, it kind of sometimes gets creepy. Yeah, this is uh, this is certainly effective looking, and I, I think uh, perching is more than just kind of a you know, interesting uh, fantasy or an interesting academic exercise because one uh, aspect of uh, electrically powered drones, battery powered drones, of course, is limited flight time. So if you have a drone that needs to hover or uh, operate over an environment where it doesn't need to move around, you you know, you have some options. You can hover aloft, which uses up battery power, or if you have an opportunity for the drone to perch or land or, or grasp onto something, it can stay stationary without consuming battery power. So uh, there's a real practical application for it. But yeah, you definitely need to watch the video. I mean, we see that a lot, but this one is true. The The legs are kind of skeletal looking. They're 3D printed and they articulate with motors and fishing lines that kind of act like tendons. So uh, yeah, pretty good. I don't know if the claws, the, you know, the, the toenails, the talons. the talons, that's the word, and the end are purely functional or if it's just sort of a, you know, homage to the, uh, to the bird, but they look real. So definitely check out the video. But let's go up to New England to Drones on Cape Cod, Skyports and Massachusetts Department of Transportation partner to connect remote communities. I guess Cape Cod is considered a remote community, but so what do we got going on here with the Mass Dot? Well, Cape Cod is uh, an interesting place. If you're not familiar with it, sort of the eastern part of Massachusetts curves around in a, in a cape. But there are lots of islands. There are lots of peninsulas that uh, are you know can be difficult to to reach, especially off season when um, some services shut down, like ferry services and things like that. So the Department of Transportation in Massachusetts, they want to do a couple of things. They want to be able to provide emergency medical deliveries after storms or other natural disasters. But they're also looking to provide everyday services to the area, such as health care and logistics. So they've partnered with Skyports, and there's a, um, a quote here, Skyports has been granted approval by the FAA to operate uh, BB loss flights during a week-long feasibility project. The project will guide MassDOT, MassDOT, as it explores broader BV loss drone operations in Massachusetts and to perform you know, a variety of different services. So I, I think this is great. Skyports is a drone services provider. Their drones are known for, among other things, being able to fly in sort of adverse weather conditions, which is something that you see frequently on the Cape. And they can carry significant payloads up to a thousand, uh, sorry, a a hundred pounds. So they're quite Wow. A thousand pounds, boy. No, no, no. We've increased our drone capacity. Yeah, yeah. That's firebombing capacity, but uh, yeah, hundred pound capacity. So they're going to develop, implement, and operate end-to-end drone deliveries covering insufficiencies associated with traditional transport methods. So basically a bridge out or ferry service not running to make deliveries out to the residents on the um, Cape. And Skyports has done some work with uh, vertiports, right? Passenger and cargo vertiports uh, for 
eVTOL kinds of applications. So uh, I don't know if they're planning on doing anything that with that here in this uh, in this uh, testing scenario. But uh, you know they have those kind of capabilities. So yeah, good link up. Um, yeah, so we'll follow up on that. But it's nice to see a state moving forward with trying to facilitate drone deliveries, especially on states that have remote areas like the Cape. So, Max, it's that time of year again. All of our listeners want their new drone. And so we try to provide these kind of stories to help facilitate shopping. When there are significant others who's looking to buy Christmas presents, as I say that a little too loud. Yeah, facing the other direction. Looking facing the other direction. <laughs> uh, so six important things to consider before buying a drone for photography. So this is important. Most people, I think, do tend to buy drones to do photography. And it's like any other tool, Max and I have said this, that you get what you pay for. And the better the tool, the better the product, though I still say that you have to know how to use the tool properly to get the goodest, best, to get the goodest, to get the best output. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you definitely need to match up, you know, your requirements with the capabilities of whatever it is you're buying. But so these six uh, important things to consider are, I think these are pretty reasonable. And, um, you know, they go into some detail for each one in the article. So we won't go into quite that depth, but the first one is stock. They call it the style of the drone. Um, you know, is it sold with or without a camera? What's the resolution of the camera? And uh, probably the most important one on this topic is whether it's a multi-rotor or a fixed wing or a VTOL drone. So there again, it's, you know, you think about what your application is for drone photography and match that to the design of the drone. The other important part would be um, flying range and or battery life. And of course, battery life is important because if you're carrying a camera, sometimes the batteries are operating both the drone and the camera. So you're not, God forbid, you run out of power when you get that final shot. Another aspect, is it RAW or PNG format support necessary? Not all cameras can produce raw footage. Um, I don't know, Max, do you shoot raw? You know, see, I shoot Fujifilm. So I can shoot either raw or JPEG, but Fujifilm has to, happens to have some really superb JPEG algorithms, so I find it, it rarely necessary to shoot in raw. But some people are purists. Some people just um, you know, want to be able to capture raw images uh, so that all the detail is there so that you have all that available in in post-production if, you know, that's where you want to spend uh, <laughs> a lot of Hours. your time. Yeah, a lot of your yeah. times. But the point here on this on this one is that, you know, you need to think about that. What What is your photography or videography workflow and, you know, what format do you want to work with? Work with? Um, another is associated with that is camera quality and support. Probably want at least 4K. Um, you need to think about the, the gimbal. Does it come with it? Is, is that extra? And the, the kind of camera that you use, right? So some drones, as you said, some drones are using the built-in camera in the drone. Another way to do it is with a, an attached action camera, like a GoPro or, or one of the others. Um, or you could, you know, hang the digital camera from your drone. So uh, that's an issue to consider as well. And 
last but not least out of this um, is important, which is safety features and intelligent programs. Wavepoints. Can you program waypoints when you're flying it? Or a follow me function, which is when you're using video, if you want to go skiing and you want to shoot that video, the drone follows you. And last but not least, an altimeter or GPS or GLONASS. And really important, a return to home. You don't want to lose your drone and then lose your footage. So return to home is always a really important. So if you're considering a drone for photography purposes, uh, just check out this article. It's got some some good pointers. Most things you will already be aware of probably, but there's a few in there that you may not be make you think a little bit before you make that purchase. Yeah, and it's it's a good reminder. I mean, of remember that there's there's so many things to think about and think multiple times, invest once, you know. There's nothing worse than buying something on the cheap and then later on realizing you have to go buy another one because it doesn't meet your needs. Right. So from Texas News Daily, India tests drone delivery of COVID-19 vaccine to remote Jammu. I really never thought I'd be going to Texas for stories about India, but here this is UAV Digest, and we scour the globe to bring you the constant variety of drone news. <laughs> so this is about delivering vaccines to remote areas, and India certainly has quite a few remote, remote areas. areas. It does. And in, in this example, they were uh, talking about an instance where if they were going to drive the vaccines by road, it would be a two-hour trip. But by drone, by multi-rotor drone, 20 minutes, a big difference there. Also, some, some regions in India are just not really accessible by road, so you need something like this. And this, this comes from India's CSIR, National Aerospace Laboratories. They've developed a a drone to make these kinds of deliveries. It's an octocopter. And it can carry a 10-kilogram payload over a range of 20 kilometers. So, and, and vaccines are one of those things that, again, medical deliveries seem to be so suited to drone deliveries. Usually the, the packages are lightweight and you need speed to get them there. So, I mean, this is this is one of those optimal medical delivery things to get vaccines to portions of the place that wouldn't, you know, and the vaccines getting there in 20 minutes versus two hours. I mean, shelf life is important. So, um, and, and Max, I'm going to use this as a shout out that I know that a lot of our listeners do listen to both of our podcasts, but for a really interesting conversation about medical delivery, I suggest you listen to our, our latest episode of Airplane Geeks, where we've talked, we talk about organ delivery. Um, I know Max and I both were really humbled and touched by our guest. And it's a really interesting story about how organs get delivered from one side of the country to another, where there's a lot of stuff you don't really think about. It's not just putting it on an airplane and flying away. But definitely, um, I rec highly recommend this last episode. Yeah, that's episode 682 of Airplane Geeks. And you can go there directly, if, if you like, by visiting airplanegeeks.com slash 682. I'll take you right to the, that episode. So let's talk about the U.S. Air Force and classified drones. This is from my favorite website, The Drive. 
Two new secret drone programs could emerge in the Air Force's next budget proposal. So the uh, U.S. Air Force has got two new drones um, coming out of the black world into the gray or the white world. Apparently, uh, the Air Force is looking for development money for these two classified unmanned air combat vehicles. And this would be for the 2023 fiscal budget. And uh, reportedly, these combat drones would be designed to operate along with uh, fighters and bombers, uh, specifically the Next Generation Air Dominance Program, or NGAD, uh, fighter and the uh, the B-21 bomber, which is a, a classified program. This would be a, a classified or secret program as well for these two drones. The question, of course, is, well, what are these drones? And there are some ideas floating around out there. Clearly, there's the Skyborg program, which we've talked about a lot on this show, um, which is a loyal wingman, you know, and autonomy drones and to be able to network between drones and manned aircraft to put the drones in harm's way and, and less so the manned aircraft. So the Air Force is coming along and pushing the technology forward. And while these are black programs currently and classified, eventually they do come out. But it is seeing that, you know, the next generation will be a hybrid blend of manned and unmanned, excuse me, crewed and uncrewed aircraft. We talk about the Navy, you're talking about uncrewed aircraft fueling the crewed aircraft um, upon takeoff and then having loyal wingmen. So a lot of different options, but clearly the Air Force is investing a lot of money into UASs in the upcoming years. Yes. Drone Up acquires AirMap, another move towards drone ops on a very, very big scale. So DroneUp has bought AirMap, and we've talked about both of these companies over the last couple of years quite a bit. Right. DroneUp is a drone services provider. Um, they have a, a substantial network of trained pilots. They have proprietary software. And most recently, we've mentioned DroneUp, I think, in the context of their relationship with Walmart. And Walmart has made a financial investment in DroneUp, but DroneUp is also being utilized by Walmart for delivery by drone. And this, I thought, was an amazing stat, that 90% of Americans live within 10 miles of a Walmart store. Amazing. <laughs> I, it was like, that. It's like okay, um, I'm trying to figure out where the local Walmart is to see if it is actually, if I'm in that 90% now that I've moved. Probably are. But yeah, the point they're making is that when we think of drone delivery from a company like Amazon, that would be coming from Amazon distribution centers, of which there are many. But 90%, I don't think, of Americans live within 10 miles of a... Of an Amazon distribution center? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Drone up is positioned well in in this space. AirMap, of course, has been very successful. They have an unmanned traffic system management, or a UTM, and it's they can support close to 100,000 flights per day. And together, they scale up operations and position themselves for future BV loss flights. So you've got Walmart's money flowing in, and basically we're talking about a, a very large technical infrastructure. David, don't forget street racing. Did I forget street racing? You went right past it. It blew right by me. You know, I I, for, I missed it. Um, 
my co-host wrote this in the show notes. Street racing is dangerous. Do not try this at home. <laughs> but this is from um, Fox Atlanta. Drones used to make street racing bust in South Fulton, Georgia. It's been a problem in Fulton, Georgia now for a while. And so the city of South Fulton Police Department started using drones to watch street racing, document the activity, and capture license plates for the individuals involved. What do you think, Max? Is this, do you think this is kind of cool? Well, I think a lot of things. Even though I say uh, street racing is dangerous, it's also kind of thrilling and exciting and but it's obviously really illegal. You shouldn't and you shouldn't be doing it. Um, so yeah, I mean, law enforcement effort to crack down on this. Uh, I can't argue with that. But it is using drones for surveillance by law enforcement, and that oftentimes runs into privacy concerns from the public in that area. And uh, there's nothing. Re- uh, nothing in this story reported about that that I saw. So I'm I'm wondering if either the the locals are just so you know upset with the street racing that they don't care. It's not an issue. The privacy issue is not top of mind. Um, or maybe they just haven't haven't thought of that yet. Uh, you know, actually, Max, I was thinking about this earlier um, when we when I was setting up this when I read this article, and I'm going, what's the difference? between using a drone to gun a license plate for someone speeding than a cop sitting on the side of a road using a gun for a license plate for speeding. I really just thought of it as another tool. I, you know, and I didn't really think about the privacy aspect of it until you just brought it up. I just thought of it as a, oh, well, this is another way to hide behind a hide behind a good old um, roadside sign and and then gun because the, these days you gun the license plate you don't even and that brings up the data on the car so it's just using it was using binoculars from from a distance yeah or doing the same from a helicopter or you know or something else yeah in, in that Speed respect enforced by aircraft right right that's uh, not something that people take issue with. But sometimes drones are just have you know elicit this emotional kind of a thing. But I agree, yeah. Conceptually, we already do this kind of activity, um, but we have seen other instances where the the local residents have been quite upset with local law enforcement over their plans to use drones. I, I guess the question is, we'll see if the first couple of cases get thrown out because thirty three people have been charged. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if. The court of law finds this a legal way to document speeding. Yeah, it'll be worth watching. So, Max, we've worked hard on this show to talk about not using the word unmanned or manned aircraft. You know, we've thrown around crude and we've thrown it right. Well, one of the longest running terms in the FAA is the NOTAM, otherwise known as Notice to Airmen. Now, it's been around for decades, and if you're becoming a professional drone flyer, you need to know what a NOTAM is. However, the FAA is changing the acronym a little bit to it's now going to be Notice to Air Missions. Right, which addresses the, you know, the gender neutrality 
of the acronym, uh, which is which is good. But you know, why are we talking about that here, David? Well, there is an implication in the name change uh, that impacts flying drones, which is there's no men aboard the drone, so it, it's air missions. So it makes perfect sense that you know unmanned air uncrewed aircraft and balloons are doing a lot more flying in the airspace and it might be a better way to communicate to um, drone operators that they need to pay attention to this stuff going forward because it's not you know notice to airmen meaning well I'm not an airman I'm a drone operator well you're now part of you're flying an air mission so therefore it's important yeah, so that was good. Uh, notice the air missions. If you're flying a drone, that's an air mission. That's pretty clear. Last but not least, Max, we got a video of the week, and it's a pretty one. I just thought this was just a generally nice fall. I know it's Christmas, the Christmas season, the holiday season, but it, it's a nice fall footage and very geometric. And those trees, I don't know what they are, but are stunning. It is. It is pretty. This is uh, beautiful drone footage of tree-lined New York roads and geometric fields. And this comes from SWNS, which is um, primarily, I think, a UK journalism organization. But the fall foliage is just stunning. The background music, I don't know if you paid attention to that, David, but the background music is really soothing, or at least I found it to be. And, uh, you know, you just sort of relax taking the slow tour of the countryside. Um, and it's, you know, along the road, it's the colors in the trees and the fields from above when, when they call them geometric fields. You watch the video and you'll see what that means. But I don't know. I think it's very relaxing. It's only a couple of minutes. It's not, you know, terribly long. But it's a kind of, it's the kind of nice thing that you just take a couple of minutes, look at, and, and you'll feel much better about the rest of your day. I agree. All right. Well, you'll find that at our show notes for this episode at the UAVdigest.com. This is episode 389. We appreciate uh, you listening. In the show notes, you'll find links to all the stories we talked about. Also, uh, be sure to watch this week's videos because we've got two, two really good ones, the Stanford Perching Robot and that scenic New York drone footage we just talked about. So check those out at UAVdigest.com. And, of course, you can find us on our Slack listener team, and you do that by sending us an email to feedback at the UAVdigest.com. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you. So if you've got drone footage or you've got a story you'd like Max and I to comment on, send us an email to feedback at the UAVdigest.com. Also, you can find us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on 30,000 feet, all written out. Com. If you know how to spell flight and or Vanderhoof, you can probably find the rest of us or other places. So with that, uh, next week we'll be back. And so this is David in Delaware. In Max, I'm in Maryland this time. Thank you for listening. <laughs>